Welcome to the Anglers Channel Insider Podcast, presented by Sportsman's Warehouse, your fishing and outdoor store. And here are your hosts, AC Insiders, Danny Blanford and Vance McCullough. All right, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of the AC Insider Podcast, brought to you by Sportsman's Warehouse, Mercury Marine, and our friends at Rely on Lithium Batteries, providing the juice. I'm your host, Danny Blanford. With me is our other host and co-host, Vance McCullough. Vance, happy Tuesday, man. Um, winter sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it sucks everywhere, Danny. Trust me, it does. I think it's worse where it's single digits, but, you know. Oh, by, I, by far, yes, yes. I got a sure. sock cap on to do the podcast because it, just looking outside, it looks so cold. I thought I needed a sock cap <laughs> on, man. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. Hey, uh, I went out and did a little kayak fishing this weekend, the Bass Nation uh, kayak tournament down here on uh, Rodman. And it was like 4 a.m. I get up to start driving and it's 74 degrees, but the front comes through. By the time we get out on the water, it had dropped 18 degrees. The, 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 like the front hit while we were there, but I paddled a mile and a half, right? So I done took the jacket off. I done took the, the, the beanie cap off. I'm out there just trying to cool down just a t-shirt and my life jacket you gotta have on and i know these dudes rolled up in a boat now got the jackets they're both up they look at me like I was, i'm on crack or something you know but like, it, it was cold here too but it's just you get out there and you work up a sweat that, that kayak tournament and then you and you put the layers back on it's that kind of deal you know wacky put the layers on take the layers off it's kind of i almost wish it was stages in single digits and i know it would know how to dress you know what i'm saying it's going to stay that way well i guess the fishing was phenomenal in those conditions right you whacked them God, the catch is sure wasn't. I mean, the fishing's always good, right? It beats shopping at the mall with a wife, but uh, good lord, the catch. So, I, I, here's here's the deal, man. Here's the deal. I, I'm paddling my butt off. I'm 200 yards from hunkered down on a hole, an old Okawaha river bend that's got like mats bordering it. I mean, they're either down the bottom of the river bend or they're up under the mats, right? I got it. There's a big fish here historically. This dude comes motoring past me on a motor. Like two minutes before I get where I'm going, boom, sets down right there. I paddle up right to him. He's like, what are you trying to fish? I'm like, right here. <laughs> we had a little talk, you know. He beat me. He beat me. He anchored. He never – I went well, I went at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. He was still sitting out there throwing shiners. And they call out one fish all day with shiners on the best spot on the lake. So it was brutal, man. It was tough. It was tough. I, I wish I didn't, you know – I almost wish I had to bother doing it. If I'd have not been able to go fishing, I would have done something smart. Like, I don't know, stay home and catch up on some good reading or, or TV viewing. I understand you've been able to watch some, some pretty cool BASF yeah. productions lately, right? They got some new Dude, stuff. Dude, yeah. Out. Man, it's so cold. We're not making baits. We're we're locked down and hunkered down. And, yeah, I got I got in a little bit of a show hole over the weekend, man. I got sucked into the Bass Cast. And uh, what a cool program, you know. Uh, Aaron over on Fox Sports, it's getting a ton of airtime. There, there's new new episodes coming out, but they're they're rerunning the old ones too. So got got up caught up on some of the history of Ray Scott and Bill Dance and some of those guys. What a cool program! I mean, you know, I'm a softie for the history and the that part of the sport. Um, yeah, and I just I just thought it was super cool. I mean, I remember watching those things unfold in Bassmasters magazines in the '80s. You know, mm -hmm. as a kid. Mm -hmm. But to see it all and to see what Ray put into it, man. And, and I know you've been mm -hmm. behind the scenes with Bass a lot. And I've always, I've got the opportunity to meet Ray on several occasions. And I always thought he was a, yeah. 
wonderful promoter, but they kind of likened him to Barnum and Bailey, uh, the greatest show on earth type stuff. And they had a picture of him riding in on an elephant. And I feel like I remember <laughs> that. Yeah. Dude, could you imagine if, if somebody in Bass came riding in on an elephant now, like into the arena? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know, man. The shenanigans these days, right? The elephant just so just forward thinking. Dude, there's nothing new under the sun. Old Ray Scott was the original OG showman promoter uh one of the better books i've read was the bass boss and this is mm -hmm. his story about how he invented it and if you haven't read that it's an incredibly good read get a copy of bass boss and read that and it'll it'll complement and go along with uh what it sounds like they aired in the episode i gotta watch that my wife last night my wife was like man they're doing a big production about ray scott here and all i said i think i know what you're talking about i said it's, i gotta catch up on that and uh and take a look at it so so it's a pretty good show huh I thought it was great. I think the sport needs yeah. it. You know, uh, you know, today, matter of fact, today we're talking with some young college anglers, just won a national championship. And I don't know that our how we mm. got here matters, but I see it as an awesome opportunity to to archive that stuff and show it to a new generation of, of anglers, like the guys we're talking to today. Like, how did we get here? Right. Where, yeah. where we're casting yeah. for cash and we're on television and we're doing all those things. And I thought that was cool. I'll tell you a couple of things that jumped out of me as a media guy. Uh, Hank Parker had a segment on there. And Hank was talking about when he retired from bass fishing. And I kind of remember that. And it kind of seemed like he was going out on top of his game compared to some of the, I mean, there's guys that are still fishing now that, you know, Hank took their money or they took Hank money and they're still there. But there was, mm -hmm. a killer, there was a killer clip where he talked about why he retired, and he said it became apparent to him early that he wouldn't be able to get the kind of media attention that he needed by relying on the other, by the, relying on victories and the tournament organizations. And he said, I knew if I needed to, I knew to grow my brand, I had to control my own media. That was in the 80s, late 80s. In the 80s, in the 80s. And then, and then you got then you got Ben Milliken now just qualified for the Elite Series. And what has he done? He's used YouTube to create his brand and control his own media, right? Got mm -hmm. the other way around, and now he's getting the turn of the count. Got to do the other way around from what Hank did, but same mindset. And so the great minds they think alike, right? I've I've got to right control my own access to the to the masses, my own media, mm -hmm. and put my brand out there. That that's very very insightful. Like say, yeah, think about ago, think about that in, in '87. He says, "I've got to control yeah, my yeah. own media," and and you know, and, yeah. and so Hank Parker Outdoors TV was born, and and all mm -hmm. through the late '80s and the '90s, I watched it. I mean, I'm a consumer of it, and yep. I just didn't make that connection. Another thing that was super interesting that came out, and I don't know if this is a hundred percent of it, but in the Bill Dance episode, Bill talked about he started his own production company because of the anxiety created by tournaments tournaments he didn't feel good doing tournaments tournaments didn't feel like where he needed to be he loved bass fishing but the tournament itself created anxiety so he felt like he needed to go in a different direction yeah and, th and that's the guy that caught apparently the first bass ever caught in a ray scott Bassmaster tournament uh and that's a neat story in bass balls i got to have dinner with bill a couple of years ago my wife and i when he came to town here and I'd ask him about that. He kind of laughs. Says, "Yeah, I just took off across the cove and sat down. I threw a little flip tail worm up there, and you know, I mean, before any of the other guys even got on plane, he's boom, got a bass in the boat. You know, and that's just so. Uh, it's hard to imagine a guy that was had more, more talent than him. And so, if he felt like the competition aspect was 
you're so out of his control, right? And wanted to mm-hmm. control the media aspect of it. That, that tells you there's a lot of value in that. These guys these days, they, they don't want to do the social media. They don't want to do various things. But the ones who really made it, even back then, they understood the value uh, of putting your, you know, I guess, having your own megaphone and being able to speak to your audience. So that, mm-hmm. that's very insightful, very interesting. Yeah, I mean, nobody so, can preempt nobody can preempt your program if you if you're the ex- executive producer and you bought the airtime, right? I mean, you know, yep, yep. your advertisers know that you're going to be on 13 weeks, 26 weeks, 52 mm-hmm. weeks, whatever it is. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I thought that whole thing was was cool. You know, like I said, I watch TV and geeky kind of ways. And those comments both really jumped out at me. Um, Bill seemed so comfortable in his element to think of, uh, you know, him having anxiety. That, that blew me away. Dude, he is so cool. And I mean, just the consummate storyteller. You know what I mean? My wife, he sitting there telling a little story about getting pulled over and prank somebody playing My wife just, just, glued to the conversation. It's like, it's like, it's like you, there was your granddad, like America's granddad. You know what I mean? It's, and you want to hear the stories and you want to hear him tell them. And he's just such a great storyteller and presenter. And yeah, he's right. That is, if he's better at fishing, better at anything than fishing, it would be that storytelling and presenting the information and just such a talent for that. And I guess you can say the same about Ray Scott, you know, great promoter and those guys, it gets beyond fishing, doesn't it? Kind of gets mm-hmm. the catching of the fish almost a secondary to, I guess, what leads to success, in other words. Definitely true in what Ray did, you know, to take a band of fishermen and turn them into a viable business, I think is pretty amazing, mm-hmm. you know. But anyways, so it's cold as hell up here, and I got in a show hole, and, and I got caught up on bass history that I thought I knew all the bass history, and um, they brought it in a different light. With It's, it's very good production value. Mm-hmm. It's a very good program, and I think it – you know, it, it'll serve its place. Those episodes won't, you know, I think you use the word, the term evergreen. This is evergreen mm-hmm. content from Bass about how we got here and who did it. So that'll live on forever. And I thought that was cool. Um, but enough about the trip down memory lane, man. We had our first Bass tournament of the season this year and it was a college event yeah. down in your neck of the Let's woods. Let's turn, turn to face the future now, right? We, we've been looking at the past. Let's turn to look at the future, Danny. What, what's that hold? Hey, same thing, man. There's some nostalgia there too. Uh, I wouldn't say it was a Rudy type underdog story, but we saw uh, a top 10 school that's not in the South. They cranked out two college champions, two national champions. And uh, we're going to be talking with them. The Adrian College Bulldogs, Braylon Eggerding and Lucas Washburn, your newest uh, major league fishing college champions. Dude caught an 11 pounder on the final day Vance. That's crazy. That is nuts. And when you, when you get a fish that big, like, it's so hard to guess how big that fish is. You look at a two-pounder, you know it's two-pounder. You look at a four-pounder, oh, that's a four. When they get over several pounds, you don't really know what you got until you put it on the scale and it just blows your mind, you know? So mm-hmm. I'm sure those boys probably were jumping out of their skin. And I can't can't wait for our listeners to hear the story, you know, how that all went down and what went through those young men's mind and what that whole experience was like for them. Oh, I can't imagine. You know, I was thinking about it over the weekend, kind of liken it to you, you've been in ball sports your whole life, right? And and football or, but like during my era, every kid that could dribble a basketball at some point, you count down three, two, one, you make the shot like Michael Jordan, you're looking for the swish, right? Every kid has emulated that, whether you're a baller or not. And I couldn't help but make that same connection of kicking off the final day of a championship and smacking a double digit and dropping it in the box, dude, that is your Michael Jordan three, two, one shot of the lifetime. Yeah. And they, they freaking yeah. nailed it. 
And uh, yeah, I don't know. I got a question for you. This personal question. Then we got to take a break. But the one thing I struggled with, if you win a big event and your big fish is twice the size of any other big fish weighed in, does that take a little bit away from it for you as an angler? You See, that's a great, great question because what, what what's more important to you, consistency, right? Mm-hmm. Or just capitalizing on that luck when you get it. And to, to harken back to the ball sport, Lou Holtz, one of the greatest football coaches ever, would say quicker than anybody, be the one to point out that, that luck is where preparation meets opportunity, mm-hmm. right? I got a good line. I got fresh line. I got the right bait. I'm in the right place. I've done my homework. I put my time in. Final day of the tournament. I'm, I've got everything dialed in. Heck, yeah, I'll take a little bit of luck. Give it to me. I still got to mm-hmm. execute, right? So, uh, man, I, I would – I would say it's a proud achievement. It's a proud achievement. It's a great. It's a great achievement. You don't always get that opportunity, and every other guy in that field would have sure been glad to get that big fish to bite, right? So uh, mm-hmm. they still had to catch what? Still had to catch nine other fish over two tournament days because they won a tournament. So yeah, that was no luck. That was a that was a little bit of luck on top of them actually being good. You know, I'd rather be good than lucky. This or I'd rather be lucky than good. Well, I'd rather be both. <laughs> and they were. They were both. They were. They were good. And then when the luck came along, they executed. So congrats to those yeah. guys. Yeah, great point on that. And I wasn't trying to throw shade at him. I was just thinking kind of through it. But, yeah, great point. I mean, you could give a bunch of guys a 10-pounder hooked on a rattle trap, and they could screw it up seven ways to Sunday and not put that fish in the boat, right? So, Is there is there an easier lure to lose a fish on, Danny? Is there an easier lure to lose a fish on than a rattle trap? I don't think so. I, I really don't. I mean, so, you know. So it sounded like I was throwing shade and I wasn't. So let me leave you with this and then we got to take a break. <laughs> now, I think, I think everybody takes it right. It's, it's, it's a very legitimate question. It's like it consistency, consistency. It's like the old thing about would you rather win the classic or Anglo of the Year? Anglo of the Year is all about consistency, right? But mm-hmm. what, what sticks to people's minds is that classic, right? That big, that big splash, that big moment. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this, both are good in their own way. I guess the better way to phrase that question, uh, they won by an ounce. So for the second yeah. place, the second place team of Campbellsville University, do you feel better about getting beat by somebody that's got an 11, 12 pounder in the bag? Or do you feel better at getting beat by somebody who had, you get where I'm going with it, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah because I'm from Campbellsville, right. If I'm the guy from Campbellsville riding home, I feel like, well, we control what we could control. We mm-hmm. did what we could do. We were very consistent. And congrats to those guys. When the luck came, they capitalized. But, yeah, they got a little bit of a, a golden horseshoe in the mm-hmm. boat with them, right? Mm-hmm. Cool. Congrats to them. And I think you sleep well that night going home with the guys from Campbell's Bill. Man, there's nothing we could have done about that, right? And everybody should feel good about themselves after that. I agree. But I know I one, a one-ounce loss is hard to take. It really, you know. Man, I, I'm again, every time I say this, it sounds it sounds like I'm throwing different shade. I just – I. In a national championship situation, I think second sucks. It's got to. If you're a true competitor, it doesn't suck to get it, right? Yeah. I'm not saying they yeah, suck. Yeah. I'm not saying any of that. But the ride home, mm-hmm. second sucks on the ride home. It just does. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If, if it doesn't, yeah. you probably need to pick up a different sport. Right. right. So, anyways, I was thinking about that. We I, I derailed us a little bit. But coming up, we're going to take a quick break, a couple words from our sponsors. Come back. We're going to be joined by Adrian College, Braylon Eggerding, and Lucas Washburn, your new Major League Fishing National Champs, folks. So stick around. We're going to talk 10-plus pounders and national championship titles right after this break. 
Sportsman's Warehouse is your one-stop convenient place to shop. Whether you're into camping, hunting, or fishing, our expert associates can help you find the gear you need. We carry a huge assortment of quality equipment from the best manufacturers in the country and around the world. We have guns, ammo, rods, lures, not to mention every kind of outdoor clothing for the whole family. You can shop in one of our fully stocked stores or visit us online at sportsmans.com. Visit Sportsman's Warehouse, shop one of over 130 locations nationwide and growing. At Mercury, there are no limits to the lengths we'll go to make sure you have no limits either. Unlimited adrenaline. Unlimited fun. Unlimited weekend. Except maybe having to go home eventually. Introducing the all-new V8 Mercury Pro XS. Light, quick, efficient. Mercury, go boldly. This segment is brought to you by Mercury Marine, encouraging you to go boldly. All right, everybody, welcome back. This is one that I'm excited about. Anybody that's listed, listened to our podcast for a while knows I'm a college fishing geek. Uh, it was important to me. I think it's super cool, and it's something that I follow. Uh, Vance and I have talked about it a bunch, and today I'm excited because we are welcoming some new national champions. We With us today is Braylon Eggerty and Lucas Washburn of Adrian College. Guys, uh, you know, I asked you before we came on live here, but first podcast for you guys is national championship man uh tell us how's this past few days been oh it's it's been wild i mean all the support <laughs> all the people reaching out it's it's been incredible to see um yeah i mean yeah no for sure it's special um all the support has been crazy just everybody phone calls social media is like it's something i never imagined like it could be that like special i don't know now, I, I went and checked out Adrian's website, you know, and you guys are actually a varsity sport. And we'll talk about that a little bit, some of the differences among college fishing. But, yeah, I mean, you guys were plastered front and center on the, the Bulldogs website. They're they're sending out press releases on your behalf. So I thought that was cool to see a university supporting the program that way. And yep. and obviously, with you guys being varsity, they've invested in your guys' program, right? You want to talk a little bit about the yeah. school and how they've received you? Yeah, so – Oh, the school, they they play like a crucial role in it for me. I don't know, probably same for Lucas. They oh, yeah. they help out with us in all aspects. Like they they're we're fully funded, so they pay for our gas, for our travel expenses, um, lodging. We have we even have four school trucks and two school boats through Wonderland. Shout out to them. Uh, oh yeah, of Yamaha. So it's pretty awesome not too many programs out there that have full funding, you know, they pay for all of our gas, pay for all of our food down there, get us hotels, you know, they take care of us real well. So we can't thank them enough for that. Well, that's cool. And I guess, you know, part of that is, is they, they count on you guys to produce. And uh, I was looking through the standings. How many teams did you guys take down to Florida for the national championship? Um, I believe we had six. Okay. So, I mean, you got a dozen guys leaving Southeastern Michigan in oh, yep. January and heading to Florida yeah how's the how's the team stuff do you guys kind of work together in practice um honestly <laughs> no it's, uh, <laughs> you know everybody's trying to get their own deal going so every duo you know they kind of keep to themselves for the most part I mean we'll, we'll go over like broad things you know kind of what the fish are doing but doc talk yeah doc talk <laughs> yeah 
So you guys went down there and, and how did practice go? Did you feel like when that event kicked off that being a national champion was in the cards? Like that could it could it happen? Did you feel like it was gonna happen? Um yeah, so we we didn't really catch any large fish in practice. I don't know, we caught a few three to four pound fish, but nothing of like that high caliber size like we found in the tournament. But um no, we had three key areas. Um, they're all shallower. One was spawning bay and like what turned into the mouth of it is where we caught them. Um, we had like a creek mouth kind of deal going on. Uh, I think that was just bringing in fresh water, clean water. And then we had one area that had all kinds of vegetation, really. I don't know if you want to go over that, Lucas. Yeah. Um, I think the main thing for us in practice, we were catching them on like a gambler swim bait just swim over pads um and that was one big adjustment we had to make in the tournament um that bite completely died on us so in that backwater where we were catching them we ended up having to go out in the middle where there's a bunch of hydrilla and we just brown was throwing a trap i was throwing a chatterbait and that was kind of our one-two punch through the whole tournament you guys were able to lock some baits in your hand and stick with them for the whole tournament then huh yeah yep, yep, yep. we we'd really keyed on after that storm that canceled day one like we had one area that was completely blown out that had big fish that we thought that was really our area that had the big fish, but, um, that Creek mouth stayed, stayed clean. We caught two, three and a half pounders there, um, the first day. And then we stopped there in the morning on the second day and didn't get a sniff. So we went over to that spawning area and, uh, we, in practice, we had seen, we had seen some solid fish in there, but nothing like really big, like Lucas caught, uh, one close to six the first day of the tournament back in there uh, on a chatterbait. I don't know if you want to talk about that. Yeah, um, that was a pretty cool catch. Uh, there's just, you know, a clump of pads right out in the middle. Um, she smoked the chatterbait. It was sweet. Um, but, yeah, that was only the only really big bite we got back there. It just seemed like there's a lot of two-pounders back there. Um, and we kind of figured out towards the end of the first day that the mouth of that was where those bigger fish were hanging out. That's where Braylon caught that 11 in the second <laughs> yeah, day, if you want to yeah. go over that. that. So that first day at the end, we were we were kind of on crunch time to get back up to Toho with the lock and everything. And I was just like, I'm going to take, we're going to take a few casts at the mouth. And I had lost one that felt pretty solid just on that first initial, like lean into it and felt some pretty good weight. And it just pulled off and then took another cast and caught a three pounder uh, that helped on day one. And then on day two, we uh, we came up to that spot and stopped a little early, um, and it really all all let loose from there. I caught a four pounder on our second cast, and then um, like two casts later, that eleven seven eight, and it uh, it took me for a joy ride. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't much I was gonna do to move that fish. And, Vance, uh, I know you're dying to ask some questions. I know you like when big fish are caught down your way. Man, have at it. What do we need to know? Uh, well, big fish is one thing. 11 pounds, 7 ounces is a total monster anyway. <laughs> yeah. Dude, what's going through your head? when you Did, did you come up and that mouth come out of the water? Or what? Take me to what? what? Just relive the moment for me. What, what what went through your mind? Yeah, so I was I was burning that trap in that mouth just to keep it clean from any of the hydrilla and snapping it out of it. And it hit it and it felt like I had just ran into a wall. Like I leaned into it and I was throwing it on 20 pound cigar fluorocarbon and uh, it just started peeling drag. And I was like, oh my gosh, like what's going on now? 
because we had we had ran into it there was tilapia in the area and we'd we'd run into a few of them and they would kind of do the same thing so like in the back of my mind i thought it could be a tilapia and uh it just kept peeling drag and it ran into a pad field and it it got into some pad stems and i just kind of kept my line tight so i didn't want to pull a treble or anything and it just kind of freed itself and it just went back to pulling for a minute and it came up and boiled and we like couldn't believe what we had just seen and uh yeah so much that could have went wrong though so much that could have yeah. went wrong there all, yeah. when it's oh, your, they always say when it's your time it's your time and you can't yeah, do it wrong i guess that was the case for y'all yeah it yeah and then once we saw it it really just kind of sat there for us to net it yeah. and it dove into the net and it was just we got in the boat and I looked at Lucas and I was like, I've never, I've personally never seen a fish that big. And uh, I was like, dude, Lucas, that's got to be over seven, right? <laughs> it's, it was funny, I have to say it. And he goes, yeah, dude, that's definitely a seven. And we put it on that bubble scale and uh, he goes, brother, that's no seven pounder. <laughs> and I just kind of looked my head over it and I was just in disbelief. We just started yelling and hugging. <laughs> I guarantee it. Yeah, that's, oh, yeah. that's, that's funny. He mentioned Danny. He mentioned those tilapia. I was in a uh, an open tournament years ago. Years ago, I was a, I was a co angler in an open tournament down there, and uh, we were you know went back. That's back when you could help. You know, you go to the co angler fish and whatever. So we went to my fish, and I was on some trap fish up shallow, and I'm I've whacked three good ones. And the guy in the front of the boat, he keeps just hit and miss hit and miss hit. he's about to jump off the boat he, he's fishing out one side i'm fishing out the other he finally hooked and landed one and it was this giant tilapia yeah and he oh. felt a lot better about it so he's like what are you doing different than I'm? i said oh well, i guess i'm catching bass not tilapia and it was, uh, <laughs> yeah first time it ever occurred to me that a tilapia will eat a rattle trap man that's just crazy right but uh, so you you thought you'd have hit one of the tilapia then the way that fish yeah. bit yep it yeah it was it was insane like, yeah, it just felt too powerful and strong almost. I thought I had mm -hmm. a side hooked or something. So, okay, you caught the 11 pounder, and at that point, you know, you've got this tournament won, right? You're just no, taking no. Each other. <laughs> no. we knew no. we had a shot at that point, yeah, right. But no, did I hear you say you caught a four and then you caught an 11, and that all happened in the first few minutes? Yeah, yep. like it was Dude. five minutes of each other, yeah. Yeah, so at that point, though, you had to start thinking, wow, we're, we're fishing for a shot at taking this thing home, right? I mean, when you got two for 15, you got the whole day ahead of you. Talk to us a little bit about what went through your mind. And oh, let me first let me ask, how long did it take you to get your wits about? Or oh did you God. just... 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty chaotic there. We, we were just stunned. I mean, 10 minutes, yeah. Uh, oh, I would be too. It, it actually went 11-15 on that Bubba scale. So we were like, oh, my gosh, like this is, you know, 12-pounder. But... Yeah, I mean, after that, you know, we we just wanted to get some three-pounders to go from there. You know, I mean, we'd be up near 24. I mean, we didn't end up getting those three-pounders, but we put enough together, you know. Right. Yeah. How many times did you go back and look in that live well over the course of the day? Oh, my. <laughs> A lot. I was more, yeah, it was crazy. Now, you guys, did, you didn't have anybody, you didn't have any live coverage with you at the time, right? You're off just nope. fishing, doing your thing, nope. and quietly amassing a tournament winning bag mm -hmm. yeah. i'm sure production would like to have had that caught that fish catch on film were you guys running some gopro and stuff no that's what's funny about that is this year the adrian team we're we're trying to put together like a youtube series just mm -hmm. film the year and all of our tournaments and stuff and uh, a buddy on our team he was going to mail me some gopros for us to use for this tournament and they they never showed up 
or they didn't show up in time. So we missed that whole everything. Like, I don't know. It was just, it was crazy. Pictures or it didn't happen, man. Pictures, but but you actually had a uh, a weigh-in stage to take the fish to, and, and yeah, so it yeah. didn't happen, and that that's legitimate. And uh, mm-hmm. what did you think when you pulled up to weigh-in? What was the mood, man? When you hit the, you hit the bank and you fixing to go put them on the scale, you feeling confident? Then you had a limit. You, you had twenty three pounds. You feeling pretty good or what? Uh, I mean, we were feeling good, but like, you know, they caught twenty seven the day before. We knew they only had to catch like fifteen pounds. Um, but I mean. With that being said, we had an 11 pounder in the boat, so we were we were pretty giddy. We were ready to weigh him in. Um, yeah, you were ready to find out either way, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. completely agree with what Lucas said. And another thing, um, we with like about 30 minutes to fish, I picked up a speed worm and just dead stick it, dead sticked it along the pad line, and uh, I got bit and set the hook and broke one off under my boat. It, my braid hit my ladder on the back of the boat and broke 50 pound braid and we saw the whole fish it was probably a seven to eight pounder Mm -hmm. that that's what did it for me like i thought there's no way but it's i guess there was a way (laughs) right talk about having a championship the teammates the 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 program it's got to be a big lift for you guys because with a program that's funded the way that yours is i mean i don't I'm trying to remember. I may have weighed you guys in. Did you fish together at Hartwell this year in the uh, yeah. ACA championship? Yeah, okay, I was the guy on stage filling in for Kyle. So you guys okay. probably yeah, came yeah. across the stage. I weighed you in, and and so I've been a geek on this thing. And I know your college program. It's always been right there around the top ten mm-hmm. in in whatever ranking, whether that's MLFs or ACA or whatever. Uh, I was talking to Vance before he came on. I can't think of a national title that's gone as far north as you guys. Have you guys looked around or checked any of that out? Are you the northernmost? Yeah. As I, as far as we know, I think so. I mean, yeah. So uh, to get that, that's got to add a little bit of fire to the rest of the program, right? The other guy's happy about it. And oh, what's, your, what's your schedule look like the year coming up? You're still fishing a bunch, right? You guys are what year yeah. in school? Yeah, we start school this week. Um tomorrow actually and then lucas and i are headed down to uh, lake murray for the bass uh, bass nation series um so that'll be the first one of the year for us and then after that we have a pretty pretty good break yep i don't think we start back up until april down at table rock and then we go to kentucky so how did the how did you guys put your team together or did you does the university did you guys pair up were you fishing buddies before you went to adrian or you just got how did how did the team come about um we've been fishing together since middle school middle school really (laughs) Um, we started a high school team together freshman year um we we did the uh michigan bass nation stuff um a couple other little series around us and that's kind of where it all took off for us and you are sophomores in college right now, both of you. Is that correct? Yep. Yes, sir. Think about that, Vance. Sophomores in college and have five to seven years of team partner experience together already. How cool is that? Well, and the best part about the bass fishing is it's not like the, those uh, jack legs in the football world where they have a good junior year and they leave you and go to the NFL. I mean, I, y- y'all guys aren't going to drop out and join the BPT uh, your junior year. And think, <laughs> oh, you, we, we get four years out of y'all. I wouldn't be mad if that was an option, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good thing, man. You're going to stay there. You're going to get your degree. And, and oh, then, yeah. so what are y'all majoring in? Are you majoring in something that would help you if you wanted to do this professionally? Or is that not even in the cards? You're just going to go be a lawyer? Or what, what are you gentlemen, what are, what are y'all thinking? 
Um, well, I'm actually majoring in accounting, so probably not too many uh, fishing applications with that. Well, it takes some clever accounting to make a make a profit in fishing, so maybe you can help make yeah. that. <laughs> yes. yes, it does. Yeah, man, I uh, I'm studying professional sales, so yeah, I'm I'm definitely interested in staying in the industry after school. So, um, definitely all eyes in that aspect, and just looking forward to seeing what that brings. Now, one thing I that wasn't clear, I watched the live weigh-ins and stuff, and I and I didn't do enough research. You guys qualified for opportunities to keep fishing because of this also, right? Was it the Toyota Invitationals? Where do you go from here? Because you get to go somewhere else now, right? Yep. Uh, we will be heading to Wheeler Lake um, for the Toyota Series Championship in November. And, and you guys fish as co-anglers? Uh, boaters. Yep. Boaters. Yep. yep. It's funny because there we're actually fishing against each other for a spot at Redcrest. That so, was my next question. Yep, yep. Whoever does better out of the two of us goes to Redcrest. So no matter where you finish, some one yep. of you two are competing yep. in Redcrest. Yep. Yep. Oh man, that's awesome. It's so, competitive. Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, you got to fish together all year and be friends, and then come win this fall, November. You said yep. it's every man for himself. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I went from high school buddies to arch enemy, arch enemies all on the water. Have either one of you been down to Wheeler? I mean, you got any experience there yet? Nope. Nope. Nothing. Got plans to go? Yeah. I, <laughs> I'm i definitely planning on going once, if not twice. I'd like to go, uh, yeah, soon and then maybe right before that deadline. Yeah, I'd like to get down there before, but, sorry, before the deadline as well. Uh, probably right. late something. Now, are you both boaters? Like, that seems a little weird because, yep. okay, yep. so you both have a boat and you're totally cool just throwing your boat in and going and doing your own thing. Yep. Who Do you split the time on the front when you guys fish together in college? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We either, yeah. Um, we, I don't know that we've ever fished when we weren't both on the front deck. Right. That's one thing. Like, we're, we're fishing together. Yeah. I feel like that's what sets us apart a lot of the time, like, we're working together. We're not competing for like a bite. Like we're doing what makes sense. And I feel like we think, think almost one minded. Oh, definitely. We're on the same page. I'd say probably 95% of the time, you know, whether it's choosing an area or making a decision to move or, you know, throwing a certain bait. Um, we're most of the time we're on the same page. You got the same strengths or you guys want to be stronger in some areas. You kind of complement each other. Or are you pretty well-rounded? I don't know. I'd say we're pretty well rounded. Lucas, Lucas is a crazy good grass fisherman to me in my eyes. So that's one thing that I feel like I need to pick up my slack on. I learn a lot from him in that aspect. I'll say this guy is a menace on scope too. He, he is good at live scope. <laughs> well, that was, we were getting there. I was going to have to ask. I mean, yep. so you guys started fishing in high school, which wasn't that long ago. You pretty well came up with forward facing sonar is just, it's always been there, right? As far as you're concerned. Yeah. yeah well, um, we, I never, we, neither of us ever had like the LVS 32, but I was one of the first people to get that LVS 34. And it's, I was mind blown and we put our time in with it like no other. And it's almost like we're to the point where we understand it, but we're to the point where we understand when not to use it. Like a lot of people, mm -hmm. I feel like that's what, that's what people need to learn a lot too. 
Right. So they're not wasting eight hours doing something that's not yeah, working. Absolutely. That makes sense. Was forward-facing sonar part of what – did it factor into the national championship win at all, or were you just chucking and winding? No, I think it hurt almost on day one having it. Yeah, just uh, that pinging of having it on. The second day, we didn't even turn it on once. Mm -hmm. We turned uh, two graphs on all day, and they are both of the console, and I turned the pinging off on both of those. So we you were just, just mapping and, and time. Yep, we had kind of talked about it the night before, and uh, I was like, do you think that would help or hurt anything? Like help maybe? And he's Lucas, like it can't hurt. And I mm -hmm. honestly think that it could have played a role in tricking that big of a fish in the evening. Right. Vance, we've talked yeah. about that some man. And, you know, I did a show not too long ago and we were talking, I was talking with an angler in the boat with me, that thing's loud underwater. And, you know, we've had some guys on the, on the show talking about you get them inside 60 and the probability goes way down. Um, you guys are the first tournament winners that we've interviewed this year. And you're like, no, nah, we shut that thing off. So maybe, yep. maybe we're going to start hearing that more about that. It not being a, you know, a, a magic bullet per se. There's a time and a place where the fish that you guys catching, were you guys shallow? Were you deep? What, what, what kind of water were you in? Oh, uh, we were shallow the whole tournament. You know, Dirt shallow. Yeah. We didn't take a cast deeper than five foot the whole time. Okay. So that makes sense. It wouldn't, I mean, and you probably had a couple foot of visibility with your own eyes too. Right. Yep. So you could kind of, yep. Okay. And there was, there was, in that area that we caught them, there was some scattered hydrilla clumps in that mouth of that spawning bay and some hard spots. And they were definitely setting up around those more isolated clumps or hard spots. And uh, it seemed like whenever we'd reel over them or line up the right cast, we could get bit. Um, mm -hmm. Later in the second day, it got really tough on us, but I think that was a lot of the wind dying off. Making so, where you couldn't hard. move around as easy. I mean, mm -hmm. as sneakily. Yeah, yeah. I was I watched some of the footage of the guys that had cameras with them, and it was the exact opposite. I mean, they were they were relying very heavily on their live scope to find, like you said, those high spots in the hydrilla, figuring out which piece maybe had some fish that would come out and chase. But in the coverage that I was able to watch, it was a lot of glide baits and a lot of swim baits and forward facing mm -hmm. sonar. But that second day, I watched some, and they just seemed like they wouldn't commit, you know, to the guys that were doing it. So something did change between day. Be, technically it was day two of the event right because day one was yeah. canceled yep. then do they give these guys the run of the whole chain there and if so did our, did our winners here stay close and fish lake toho or did they make a run and lock or any, any of that business how did how'd you spend your time as far as running we we only fished Kissimmee. um in practice we launched um in hatch and um hatch and or no sorry cyprus and because Lucas hadn't been down there before, and I just figured we'd run through and get the lay of the land. Yep. Um, and Kissimmee definitely just felt like home to us, I would say. Yeah. What do you think? It just uh, it set up the most right for us. Um, it kind of, you know, being down in Florida, you wouldn't think it looks like anything up here. But surprisingly enough, that one area, it does kind of look like a couple places we fish up here. Um, so, yeah, like Braylon said, it, it felt like home to us right off the bat. That's important to find something, a comfort level. You hear guys say that so often. I, I went in this area and it just felt like home and, and you just sort of fall into a rhythm and then get in a groove, huh? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, uh, yeah, we, I mean, we stopped and hatch and tried the whole jerk bit thing for a few minutes and we're like, no, it just didn't <laughs> feel quite right. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, like I said, those areas, they just felt right. I don't know. Yeah. Like they're pre-spawn fish. 
they want to spawn this time of year. Um, I definitely think they just weren't back in that pad field because of the cold fronts they've been having, but they were mm -hmm. ready. They were there. Nice. That would. Be, I was going to ask that question to you, Vance, as a lifelong Florida angler. Like, Dad's down there. He's fishing the Big O. We've talked about that some. When those cold fronts come in, do those fish move very far, or do they just get lockjaw? When cold front comes through? Yeah, I mean, they, yeah. had a they had a nasty front, like 30, 40 mile an hour winds, big temperature yeah. drop. Do the fish relocate, or do they just shut down? In my experience, if that wind muddied up that bay if it changed the what blew a bunch of cold water in that area they're going to move more and be more extreme otherwise they're just going to tuck under the nearest canopy they can find usually like some floating hyacinths or something or matted out hydrilla if you've got it or even eelgrass a lot of times they just want to get some canopy over their head and stay close to the spawning area it's just spawning is a competitive event for fish right they want to be the first one in there on the bed usually right it's just kind of like eating like anything else you have that urge so they want to like people like the guy said that's just one of the spawn right yeah so yeah. they're not going to go any farther than they've got to i think the severity of the front and then how it affects the water probably has more to do with that with how far they moved did y'all's fish move very much y'all move very much to get back on them or were they still pretty close they were honestly right where we left yeah. off um yeah and that one area that i said that did like drastically dirty up those fish were completely gone. Like we ran yeah. there in the tournament on the first day and we were like, we pulled up and it was just instantly just gross, nasty, dirty water. And we yeah. just looked at each other and we're like, this isn't going to work. We took a few casts and just tried to get back down to those cleaner areas. And mm -hmm. like you said about that canopy stuff, we, we had definitely put some time in and practice flipping and punching. And uh, even in those areas and we, we didn't really get bit mm -hmm. at all. I don't think we got a single bite doing it. I mean, and we spent a lot of time in practice trying to put it together, but it, it, it just didn't seem to be happening for us. Sounds like those fish really wanted to spawn and they didn't want to leave the, the more open water then. And they, they were really kind of committed to what they were doing unless it totally blew the area out like it did your one area then. That made, that made yep. sense. Yep. Y'all made the right adjustments. I'll give, give you that. I mean, obviously, if you won, you made the right adjustments. But, yeah, y'all y'all played that perfectly. Mm-hmm. Thank you. It's, it's interesting to hear you say there were some things that reminded you of home because when I think of home for you guys, I think brown fish and, and big water. You oh, guys fish some small. They're here. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. That, so that surprised me. That. So do you guys get in do you do some smaller bodies of water around Adrian there and stuff too, though, to where you're not just the, the Great Lakes? Yeah, that's I don't know. I don't know how Lucas feels about this, but that's one misconception I feel like of Michigan or the Great Lakes, like we have, I'd say, better largemouth fishing than any other state like in the country. To, for my experience, um, you may not have the size of obviously going down there and catching big fish, but I can't think of anywhere where you can just go catch as many fish and learn that much. But, yeah, I agree with that, you know, and, and I think people overlook them. I mean, I've seen that when the weather was bad on Erie, going to places and getting on some grass beds and just, yeah. you know, catching fish to have fun or uh, got some friends up around cold water and that cold water chain of lakes. There's some fantastic mm -hmm. largemouth fishing over there by yep. you guys. And you're yep. right. I guess it gets overlooked because everybody thinks, you know, gobies and brownfish in the Great Lakes when they think Michigan. But uh, they yeah. don't have 10,000 of them up there, uh, Vance, but they got a bunch of lakes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get much better numbers up there the further you go north. My buddies down here that became elite serious fishermen that I came up with, they would come back and tell me, like, dude, you got to get out of Florida. It's so much better. You just, just go to Alabama. They do what they say in Bassmaster Magazine. It's like so different than Florida. It's so hard to catch fish here if the weather changes at all. 
these are the worst darn largemouth to work with. I would, I would so much rather go out and, you know, get a few bites every day. I was on Robin this weekend, and I just did not get a bite all day. The shiner fishermen sit up near me, three of them. One of them caught one bass all day on shiners. And it just, when it shuts down here, it's just just brutal. And I would much rather go someplace you can catch numbers and have fun. I'm kind of kind of jealous of all you guys up north. You got the good smallmouth fishing, and you, you also got really good largemouth fishing. People don't know. They need to come visit y'all and spend some time uh, – fish with y'all a little bit get off my legs yeah. a little bit oh, yeah. I was like, oh, oh yeah for sure our small <laughs> our smallmouth fishing is absolutely amazing lucas yeah. is lucas is our northern michigan dialed in he has a cottage up there and we go up there all the time and he's one with the smallmouth <laughs> we have some fun up there for sure. well uh, didn't you guys fun. qualify for this tournament through something you won a tournament I, when i was kind of doing my stuff you guys teamed up and had a pretty gagger bag of smallmouth not that long ago if i'm not mistaken 26 27 pounds something i yeah yep. yep. in the yep. uh bass nation tournament the uh our college state championship we had a tournament and we caught 28 and a half pounds of smallmouth dude and your smallest uh, your smallest one in that bag was probably better than my pb so his <laughs> 530 was our smallest we're about right there, but now mine came out of the Ohio River, so I'm still going to say mine was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. The five, the five pounder out of the Ohio. Oh, yeah. yeah. My, my PB at home is smaller than your, or yeah, smaller than your small fish in one of those bags. So, <laughs> so you guys are getting the experience. And how long how, did you travel together last year for Adrian? So, did you get, were these yep. new places for you guys, or had you been able to get out of the state and fish prior to college? Um, For me, I haven't ever been down to Florida. Braylon's been down there a couple of times. Um, most of the places we're hitting have been new to me. Um, throughout high school, the only time we ever got to get down south was uh, Chickamauga. Um, so this is all new for me. Yeah, I would. Yeah, same here. Um, I've been to Chickamauga a few times throughout high school. Um, I have a buddy that lives down there and we'll go fish. But other than that, really, yeah, we haven't been out of state fishing much till college. Sounds like the rest of the country is lucky. Maybe you guys need to stay up there and give everybody a break, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's cool, Vance. You know, that's one of the things I think is cool about college. And that's one thing that has come up, guys. Recently, we've been talking with some several different young anglers, guys from college or guys doing the tours. And everybody talks about how important it is to use college as an opportunity to get some experience. And it sounds like you guys are getting that by getting out and traveling and, and getting to fish new water. I mean, that's been a reoccurring thing we've heard over the past six months. And you guys got to go out and do it and turn it into a victory. So I thought that was super cool. Absolutely. I'll tell you what, even the greatest veterans of all time, Rick Clun has famously always said that to, to be successful, you have to keep the beginner's mind, the beginner's mindset. Once you start thinking you know something, you know what you're doing, you know, it can kind of really work against you. And to keep a fresh perspective is very difficult to do as you accumulate knowledge. So right now, I think these college guys, especially if y'all are going to places you haven't ever been before, that keeps your mind fresh and your mind open. And you you probably don't come in with a whole lot of preconceived notions and all that. Do you even have a dominant technique, either of you, that you would default to if, if things go go bad? Or are you just really kind of trying to be very, very versatile and open to the experience? I mean, I I feel like we try and fish the conditions as much as we can. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I agree with that. But I guess if we were to really lean in on one bait, it'd probably be a chatterbait for both of us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we feel like that's just kind of the go-to and we can put something together with it really anywhere, but no, yeah, we always keep an open mind. Um, we don't really fish the history. I feel like 
of lakes and what we know, but I, I think that's better almost because we can keep an open mind. Mm-hmm. That, that's what's come up a few different times when we've talked to some of the guys. It's like, I don't really have a strength. I just like to catch them and, and just use whatever's available. And yeah. uh, you're talking to a couple of guys that are a few generations removed on that. And back, you know, prior, I think there's always been a desire to be a specialist in something. And as we get to talk to more of you younger guys, it's more about being a generalist in everything. You know, if we look back to a Denny Brower or a Tommy Biffle or, you know, guys before electronics and stuff, they basically picked a lane and stayed in it. And when that when that lane would intersect with a bite, they were, you know, they were your winners. And the cool thing that we've noticed with this young class of guys is, is that they don't have a particular lane. And so, you know, you get some surprises, like a couple guys from Michigan coming down and winning in Florida and, and things like that. So that's definitely something that Vance and I are a big fan of and that we've seen coming here on the doing the podcast, talking with young anglers, is that that open mindset and just a different skill set, man. I've said it, Vance, you know, I say it all the time, but we're making better anglers. And I think these two are a great testament to that. Yeah, they're getting too good. Old, old guys can't hang with them no more to put some of us out, out of the business. <laughs> uh, God. How did you guys get in it? Each one of you, somebody somewhere along the way, was it a dad, an uncle, a Bassmaster magazine, a friend, a neighbor? How did it start for each of you? Where'd you get bit? Um, For me, it probably started five or six years old. Um, Just going out fishing with my grandpa and my dad and cousins. Uh, One of the, oh my gosh. It, it all started out at Toad Lake. Um, it's just a little lake up north by my cottage. Um, Braylon's been out there oh, you know, yeah. a thousand times with me. Um, and it honestly, funnily enough, that that, uh, that area in Florida, we were calling it the Toad Lake area just because it's set up so similar. Um, it, it was just sweet. It was sweet. Yeah, I agree. That was that. cool. What yeah. about you? Where When did you get um, that? Yeah, so my dad's always like pike and walleye fishing he likes to bass fish a little bit but nothing crazy no tournaments or anything like that and he's always had he always had a walleye boat when i was a little guy and um i kind of just from a few months old i was going out on the boat with him a few times a week and that's what got me and my grandparents they would take me to a a little lake called Dean Lake by their house. And I would go there like four days a week and just fish from the bank all day long. And I'd go out at night with my dad and I was just addicted. Still am. We love it. Well, as a fellow bass head, we're addicted too. And I always try to ask that question because there's, it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's usually uh, somebody introduced us. Uh, and so I always like to find that. And, uh, you know, I think whenever Toad Lake came up, I saw some emotion. So that was that, you know, to hear that and know you had a special spot and then to be fishing a championship in a place that felt like home. Vance, I think you hit on that earlier. Um, finding something that was mm-hmm. comfortable. Man, yeah. I got goose I got goosebumps thinking about pulling into a place that looks like home and, and smacking two for fifteen on the on a championship Sunday. Come uh, on. It's <laughs> you kidding. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, guys, I know we were your first podcast, but I know we won't be your last. Hopefully we helped nope. you knock some of the rust off. Uh, for sure and you know uh we want to congratulate you on behalf of angler's channel we think it was awesome vance you got any questions you need to dig any more nuggets out of these guys we got a scoper and a grass fisherman who are going on to do big things this is our last chance to get them before they hit the big time yeah no um i mean 
y'all, you talk, I do kind of wonder about the relationship here. You both got a shot to really qualify for something big, and you're going to have to kind of become opponents here to, to qualify for Red Crest. When, when you go down to scout down there, Braylon, are you going to take Lucas with you? You're going to split expenses and go scout together even, or is it just uh, like, dude, do it, we'll draw a line right here. You, you go scout on your own, I'm going to scout you know to me. How no. much y'all going to cooperate? <laughs> I I would like to go down there together. Um, maybe not fish together, but just go down there. Like we fish together everywhere, honestly. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. it almost wouldn't even feel right. But no, I'm excited. I think we're both gonna go do our own things. Um, whether it be our strong suits or not, we're gonna figure out a way to catch them. I think. Yeah, I'm excited. Point. And then as for Redcrest, if he beats me, I will be there in full support. I, I couldn't be happier. I'm in the same boat. You know, I'm going to be there either way, and I'll be happy there doing it. Whether it's supporting him or fishing, you know, it's going to be sweet. That's awesome. <laughs> true fishing well, buddies. True, true fishing buddies. That's good, man. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll be at Red Crest covering it for Angler's Channel, and uh, we're definitely going to look you guys up. We're going to we're gonna find out if there's any butterflies right before the event. And uh, <laughs> We'll be keeping track of you guys this year. I bet we see you again. And hopefully if you win one, give us a holler. We'll come bring you back on and talk about it, man. We're we're super stoked for you guys. And congratulations to you and the Adrian Bulldogs, man. Go dogs. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Go dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, guys. I'm sure you're gonna be great ambassadors. We look forward to watching you this year. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Leaders in innovation and anglers at heart. Lose is founded on a rich heritage of building the best. 70 years of cutting-edge innovation with one goal in mind, to answer the call of passionate anglers who demand reliability, durability, and tournament-level performance. Delivering the best for you to perform at your best, on and off the water. This segment is brought to you by Strike King. Get out there and tie one on. Welcome back, guys. Coming off a break, talking with Braylon Eggerty and Lucas Washburn of the Adrian College Bulldogs, your new national championships over at Major League Fishing College. Uh, well, Vance, they seem stoked with the 10-pounder. That, those guys, you know, I didn't come across as a lucky thing, right? Like, that, those guys went with a plan and they executed <clears throat> it and a 10-pounder just happened to be part of the mix. Right down to knowing when to turn off the electronics, the forward-facing sonar, right? A lot of discussion, does the, the ping in shallow water, does that spook fish, do they feel it, does it bother them? I don't know, but they turned off the electronics on day two because I guess they were shallow enough what helping them and all that vegetation anyway. And, uh, man, right call, apparently. 11-pound, um, 7-ounce bass loads on to a trap, you know? 20-pound mm -hmm. uh, line, shallow water, what a, what a fight. I love the way... Uh, well, they described it there, man, like like hitting a wall. You can reel the laws, it's just wham, you know. <laughs> how how exciting. The tilapia thing threw me off. Did do tilapia get that big? That's what blew my mind the first time I was in a boat with a guy. That's why I told the story with being a co-angler in the open and the gentleman I was fishing with, Michael Hall, he had a great day with him, he had a great time. And and I'm catching bass and he's just bam, hit, miss, hit, miss, hitting something, hitting him, and it's not quite he's missing fish. And he's seeing the, the three pounders. I'm boat flipping, and he's thinking he's missing three pound bass. And he's about to, I'm about to have to talk him down off the bridge, right? He mm -hmm. finally loads up on one. It's a dang five pounds of lafayette that goes from his belt buckle to, to his chest. And we took a big old picture of it. It was funny. We took a picture of it. 
and he felt a lot better. Like, wow, okay, that was just tilapia that I was missing. I wasn't missing bass, but me and him both looked at each other like that. I never thought tilapia would eat a, eat a trap like that, but they sure mm -hmm. did. They, they were spawning. They were in their bedding too. I just never you know? thought about it being so big, right? Like, oh, they I mean, there's times big. there's there's times here where you set the hook with a jig, and within two seconds, you know, it's got to be a perch. Our bass don't come this big, you know, a drum perch. Yeah, or, a big old buffalo. Y'all got buffalo up there, right? We got buffalo, and then of course now we got to deal with the stupid Asian carp and snagging them. And, yeah. But anyways, that just caught me off guard when he's like, you know, something big bit me in Florida. I don't think my mm -hmm. my mind wouldn't go to a tilapia, but I guess that's more common. So I learned something there. It's, I would I would like it to catch the buffalo. I caught a buffalo on the Arkansas River one time. Oh, big mm -hmm. buffalo fish, and then that's what it felt like. It's it's like a big, like a redfish or a big old catfish. It's this big old whoa, it just kind of bulldogs you down. He doesn't come up and jump. And, but it's a good, solid, fun fight. Fun fight with fish. I wish they'd bite a little better, but a little more often. They'd be fun to guess. Tilapia would. Yeah. In my mind, they're, they're panfish size. They're like bluegill. So, you know, I learned a little bit yeah. there. I guess they get bigger. Um, but, you know, as far as those guys as anglers, you know, Braylon and Lucas, yeah, I mean, to your point, knowing when to turn the sonar off, being able to look at the water and say, dude, this ain't happening, those types of things. I mean, they, they seem wise for their years. And mm -hmm. uh, I was a little surprised. Uh, a lot of those big programs that that have you know varsity support and that kind of stuff outside looking in i always assumed there was more collaboration i didn't pick up on a strong vibe of collaboration today did you no it almost seems like they're super competitive competing against one another as teams and hey iron sharpens iron that's fine mm -hmm. you know what i mean we're going to hold our competitive edge and uh instead of everybody sharing all the information and somebody carrying somebody else and somebody getting mad and you, uh, you took my information maybe that's you know depending on the makeup of your team and the personality maybe that's best y'all y'all gonna do your thing we'll do ours and we'll compete against each other as much as anything else and i, I don't know apparently it worked for them yeah it worked for them for sure and, and that's a great point about iron sharpens iron i you know i just kind of assumed that it was almost more mandatory like hey if we're you know if I were yeah. the yeah. if I were the dean of students and I were spending my money, I'd want everybody working together so that we could get more bang for the buck. But you know, at the end of the yeah. day, their program their program works. They had six six teams in the national championship, and you know, I during the interview it came up that I I weighed in Braylon and Lucas this past year, so they were out competing in different places, and you know that Adrian program is strong. Is, they had you know, well, they had two teams in the top ten. Adrian had two uh -huh. places in the top ten. So, yeah, they're, they're doing pretty well. And I think they probably share a little more information than they let on, maybe. And I did say they discussed general pattern stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're that. And, again, like I said, they're, they're, they're at the very least, they're talented. They've got had two teams placed in the top ten among, what did you say, Danny? was 135 teams in this event. I mean, it was a big tournament. Yeah, 135 teams. Uh, multiple schools got some schools got to send more teams based on the way MLS ranking works as far as how many qualify. And that has to do with – how they finished throughout the year and where all they competed. But yeah, I mean, um, you know, Adrian has hung around the top 10 to 15 of any league school of the year race for the past few years. And to do that, you know, the way these school of the year races are set up, you've got to cover some water. You've got to go to a lot of events, you know, to, to hang with the Montevallos and the uh, Auburn programs. You got to be at these events. You got to garner your points. And, and Adrian's been doing that for years I'm somewhat familiar with the program because they had an angler from my area 
that went up there, uh, Griffin Fernandez, he's now out fishing other stuff. I think he's graduated. One thing I meant to ask those guys, I found it on the website, but you know, they're varsity sponsored. And so I went to the Adrian athletics page and right there, I mean, the varsity bass fishing team is what they're called. And on that Adrian academics page, it listed camps in your world. Camps are tryouts, right? If you go to a football camp at a university, you are, either interested mm -hmm. or interested in you, right? That's what camp is. Mm -hmm. And I totally boned it. I should have asked them, but do they had two days of camps listed on the varsity athletics page for the bass fishing team? So uh, I don't think you just walk on. I don't think you just walk on and say, Hey, I like to fish. I'm going to be on the team. You know, whenever I was involved in college fishing, that's what it was, dude. You, if they yeah. could fog them, you know, if they could fog a mirror, like breathe on it and make fog, you knew they were alive. And if they liked fishing, <laughs> they were on the team, right? So yeah, yeah, let's uh, go, right? Yeah, obviously that's changed, and and I think we're making a better caliber of anglers. I'm sure people have listened to the show, have heard me say it a hundred times, but you know, we're building better anglers, and I think those guys really showed it. And how about getting to go to Redcrest, dude? That's going to be really neat, and and. Here you, you talk about the individual competitive mindset of the guys in that program, but these two, right, Lucas Braylon, they said they've been fishing together since middle school. They fish off the front deck together. They're like buddies, man, like really good fishing buddies. So for them to compete against one another for a shot at Redcrest, a life-changing event, uh, they sound like they're going to take it in stride. It's not going to stress the friendship and, the, you know, the, whoever comes in second to the other is going to be there for him and support him and applaud him and be, you know, that's really cool. You know, you, you know, they're going to, they're going to be out for blood, right? When, when, mm -hmm. when, when they're fishing, they, there's no, no, no mercy, no slack, but then when it's over, I'm going to congratulate my brother. And I'm going to be there for him. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I like that. They're, they know how to compete. They know how to, you know what I mean? Like, like mm -hmm. well, Bulldogs, they're the Adrian Bulldogs. <laughs> right, right. But then when it's over, Hey man, we're brothers again. And, and I really like that aspect of, you know, of the, uh, the tournament fishing world. Seems like there's a lot of respect amongst competitors, kind of a gentleman sport, you know, at the end of the day. And uh sounds like they're going to balance that very well because that is quite a big carrot to have out there in front of you, and it could strain your relationship if you don't have a really solid, you know what I mean, basis, uh, a strong relationship with somebody. Dude, I love doing podcasts with you, but if it came down to me and you fighting for a spot in Red Press, <laughs> you, you already know, right? I mean, we're competitors. Yeah, I know you're a competitor. Yeah. I'm a competitor, and it, I'll shake your yeah, hand in the morning yeah. and, and wish you good luck, but I'm going to try to beat your butt, right? I mean, uh, and I, I think that's what anybody, I picked up there. Anybody that's seen me coach a football game, they're just absolutely appalled afterward. They're like, dude, I don't know who that was on the sideline, but that was not the, the, the bands that I know. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm like, no, nah, I'm, I told my wife before, she, you know, we'll be doing something together. And she'll kind of look at me. I'm like, hey, I'm in, I'm in work mode right here. I'm in coaching mode. I'm not your husband right now. I'm a different guy. You know what I mean? I'm going to a different place mentally. I'm, I'm, when it's time to compete, you know what I mean? We, we, we're putting on a different hat now. I'm, I'm a different guy for a little while. And I, that's part of the fun of it, I think. You know what I mean? That's I think part of the fun of it. I'm proud of that. I mean, you know, every, you know, I'm yeah. real late, but I'm real laid back, like you said, until I'm not. Right. And then something yep. switches yep. and, and, but I'm proud of it. A person's got to figure out how to use it effectively. You know, you can't, yep. you can't solve all the problems with a hammer. Right. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I get it. I, I got to give some props to major league fishing for putting that carrot out there. I mean, I think that's a big give on their part to what, one position in the red crest. So they're taking that out of somewhere, right. Those places don't come out of thin air. So that means to me that they see it as an important part of what they're doing, an important step 
and uh, to put those guys in the what did he tell us? I'm drawing a blank. The Toyota Series Championship, and then whoever finishes highest gets mm-hmm. to go on to Redcrest. So you got a scenario there where they could finish last and next to last, mm-hmm. and next to last still gets the opportunity to compete in the MLF Redcrest. That's pretty cool. A tournament within a tournament. It's a, right. a little tournament just for them within the the broader scope of the overall tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think it speaks too to college fishing. I mean, it wasn't that many years ago where I don't think those things were done because the, the anglers weren't in a position, mm-hmm. right? I mean, mm-hmm. if I jump back 10 years ago, how many of those anglers that could have won a national championship could then show up at, what do you say, Wheeler, right? With their own boat, their own gear, compete in a three-day tournament and mm-hmm. then move on and move on to the Red Crest. So clearly- and there the, weren't many. No, yeah. there were next. There, were, there would have been next to none ten years ago. Um, Miles Berghoff comes to mind, friend of mine, son of mm-hmm. Sonar, son of Radar. Yes. Maybe, and I know crazy. Miles. I see Bass come on, see Bass come on. There's ah, my buddy's dad, you know, Miles, great guy, right? Now he was a he and Casey O'Donnell won the national championship for uh, UCF over there on uh, out of Louisville in Texas. Yep, very versatile fisherman. He hey, moved did you know to Guntersville, and he, he signed. Side, side note, wait, I'm going to interrupt. Shameless plug. Did you know that a secret lure played a part in Miles and Casey's win of that championship on uh, Louisville? Creature bait, little creature bait. Yeah, what? Casey caught one on a creature bait earlier in the day. Miles caught one on one of her jigs, I believe. But yeah, anyways, I do know Miles and small industry, yeah, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, but that Rock- that exception proves your rule. That exception proves your rule, right? We we can name the last ten years off the top of our head, like one of the national championship duos and so many of them have done so well, but to go on and have success in the sport afterwards, man, I think these guys that are coming along now, you're right. They are so much more ready to compete and to go out and compete. It's almost like double a baseball versus coming yeah, out of high school. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like these dudes, they, they get it. You know, when a guy comes up double a baseball, he's either going to the majors or he's a career minor leaguer. Right. So that's kind of how this college business is. Now you kind of know when a guy comes out, if he's got it, you know what I mean? If he can manage the schedule and the, the rigors of traveling, getting to bed on time and all the other logistics that go along with fishing, then, you know, that guy's got a shot at it. And these young men and, and, and in a lot of cases, young women are very talented. They they have so much information at their disposal and they're taking advantage of it. Uh, the electronics are good. We, yes, we are creating incredibly strong anglers these days. Uh, and, and it's fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Justin Rackley, no he was another. He was a college champ, but was running Justin, the boat and Lake Fork. Yeah, well, I met I met Justin and his family had uh he's from Texas A and M. Met Justin, mm-hmm. very very impressive young man, very uh, well spoken, intelligent, articulate. I like Justin a lot. So he he's one of the original Guggen Squatters. Yeah, he he made YouTube cool for fishing before everybody else did. Yeah, and yeah, he did. A, Built a good career for himself. He fished some. He fished PAA after he won that championship. We got to know, I got to know Justin through that. And, um, you know, and that was the first time I seen a college champ show up. And then, you know, with PAA, it was such a mixed bag, right? You had everybody from local sticks like a Terry Tucker in Alabama to a Justin Rackley. And then you throw in a Kelly Jordan and a Steve Kennedy, right? I mean, everybody yeah. was there. And, you know, Justin did well in that. But, I mean, to your point, in 10 years – uh, we're pretty we're pretty geeked out and we could probably find some more but i mean there's just a few that come to mind and mm-hmm. now now 
they're winning a championship. They're heading to uh, an MLF invitational. You know, I mean, the list goes on and on, and they're totally able to to do that. You know, they're they're yeah. able and a, not only in terms of equipment but knowledge base. So, um, I love it. I love it. I think those guys did a great job, and we got them first. That surprised me. I figured some people would already have them. So yeah. Yeah, like I say, first and third won't, won't be the last. That's uh, that, that's quite an accomplishment. Congratulations to those young men. You know, yep. And if yeah, you're and not from Florida, it's hard enough to fish when you are from Florida. Like I said, I've been struck at this weekend. Just quick, anybody, if you're not from here, it is so different. Uh, for them to come down here from Michigan to figure it out the way they did, I'm extra impressed at, at how, again, just how versatile these young anglers are these days. Come down here and and do what they did. It's just just impressive yep speaking of anglers and and major league fishing i mean the season's kicking off you know i saw uh bass champs they're doing a rayburn here tournament here soon all the professional all the professional stuff's getting going i did run a media advisory over the weekend did you see that dakota ebear is leaving the bpt and going to go back to the opens to make it to the bassmaster elite series mm-hmm. And, I did hear something about that. I heard a little bit and about you, that. And help me out with his replacement. You've got some backstory there. Yeah, yeah. A couple of years ago, it's been a little bit more than a couple of years ago, the height of the COVID deal. Um, I'm at ICAST, and I had met Jacopo Galeli, who I knew a little bit about because he's had a little bit of success. And I got to talking with him, and uh, it was interesting. He had not been home in like a year and a half, had a little baby boy. It was about turning two years old, and he'd hardly seen it all because he couldn't get back into Europe with the whole COVID thing. So he's basically without a home here in America, didn't let it stop him from fishing and competing. People were very generous and opened the doors to him. And, and you know, he'd stay with this guy a little while, stay with that guy a little while, travel around, make the rounds, and still fish the tournament trail. Uh, and and you just love to see that kind of tenacity and commitment pay off. And here, a couple of years later, here he is. He's going to be on the BPT. Kind of reminds me of Takahiro Omori, who come over here and mm-hmm. live in a van and all that kind of stuff. Made some friends. They took care of him. Uh, and, and then his career took off. You know what I mean? That commitment to the sport coming from another country and loving it as much as those guys do. I mean, I'm as American as anybody. But man, I love it when you see a guy. You know, Carl, you know, Jockinson comes to mind, comes from Australia. These guys that love the sport so much, they will go to another entire continent, the other side of the world, and pursue it. You can't help but root for those guys, you know? It's really neat, neat story. Yeah, I mean, is there anything you think you're good enough at that you would take off and go to Italy <laughs> to try to make a living at it? Probably not. I mean, I, I you know, I ain't, I ain't worth shooting a bullet for free, so I, don't, I can't imagine being, being good enough at anything. <laughs> Uh, you know, to go around the, the world and have that kind of confidence and leave your family and just everything you know behind to go go chase it. That's a uh, hats off to those guys, man. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Glad to see somebody getting their opportunity. I mean, I, I was kind of shocked on Dakota. I mean, we've done some stuff through our partnership with uh, Costa Compete and Conserve. And in, in his mm-hmm. announcement video, man, I feel like the number he said was pushing $750,000 in a couple of years. Dude, that's a lot. That's a pile in a couple of years. So obviously mm-hmm. he had a he understood the system and the format well enough to succeed at it. And to, yep. you know, and maybe 750 in earnings makes it easier to go try something different. I don't know. But I 
man, I, I feel like that was a big step to to have a system figured out well enough. You're you're minting that kind of money and then say, yeah. ah, I'm going to go do it somewhere else. That surprised this me. Whole, this whole back and forth between the two leagues right now to me is so intriguing because and, and you know what Boyd Duncan and those guys had in mind and why they went and built the major league fishing and what that, that whole goal was. It felt like they weren't being listened to and they wanted to build their own thing. And uh, indeed, they've, they've been very industrious and they built a, a great league. And it's, it's, you know, I mean, it's a lot of money, obviously, a lot of money to be made, right? Dakota, either yep. case in point. And then you got the guys who are like, but I grew up with Bassmaster. I grew up with the classic and the screaming arena full of people. And I want to go do that. I want to win a classic. I want to go on stage in front of thousands of people. And you don't have that at Major League Fishing. It is a more direct-to-consumer product, I guess you'd call it. It's made to be consumed on the internet, live in real time, and on the TV, which is the exact opposite. I mean, I used to wait six months to get the old back issue of Bassmaster from my uncle that had a, a subscription, you know what I mean? And now I can sit here and watch these guys fish live and in real time, and, and, and you know, all the leagues off of that, but MLF, that, that's their whole business model, right? And that's super interesting, super cool in its own way, but the nostalgia, like you said, the Basscast, new show there, kind of, kind of really hammered at home, I think that's where a lot of these guys are coming from. They're like, man, I just want to be a little kid again and go back to that. You know what I mean? What drew me to this mm -hmm. in the first place? I want, to, I want to be on that Elite Series stage. I want to be on that Classic stage. It's usually the Classic. You hear them say, I, want to, I just want to go fish a Bassmaster Classic. And that's usually the reason. Dude, if I'm being honest, I mean, if I'm being honest, if I had a windfall tomorrow and I would try the Opens. I mean, I, I really would. You know, if I had the ability to do it without putting everything at risk, I would like to go out and get my teeth kicked in for nine events just so I could try. And, you know, and maybe, maybe there's an opportunity in there. And I'm not saying I'm on the same level with those guys. So what I'm speaking to is the allure of that stinking patch, you know. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. To your point, yeah. I mean, I did the, you know, we talked about it earlier, right? Three, two, one, Michael Jordan from half court. Uh you know, I've had the same aspirations of of being on uh -huh. that stage, dude, and reaching in that basket and pulling up a big one for each hand. Like it just, and you know, I mean, who have been on, who have been on vacation and you're out on the lake and you're fishing, and you're a little kid, you're like, wow, cool. I wonder if I could catch him like Jimmy Houston did on TV the other day, like you're Hank Parker on his own TV show, or or Larry Nixon, uh, you know, in the classic. And it's kind of cool. It's like, yeah, man, I wonder if I could, you know, you. We're all, I guess we're always that little kid in our mind somewhere, right? If you ever mm -hmm. if you did have the chance to go back and make that dream happen, would you jump at it? I think so. Like I said, that, that past, that history has such a strong allure to so many people that, and yeah, and the three quarters of a million dollars does kind of free you up to do whatever you want to do. You know yeah, I mean? it's not, it, it's not, you know, F you money where you walk away, right? Unfortunately, it wasn't that long ago mm -hmm. it would have been. But at the same time, it's enough where you got some room to breathe. And I wasn't saying, you know, that I would do it for the patch versus doing it for MLF. I, it was more just a testament to wanting to do it. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, to your point, the, the direct-to-consumer product, I mean, even that's changing a little bit, right? I mean, we're going to Redcrest, and, yep. and Redcrest is a major league fishing product that is geared towards bringing that celebrity and that fanfare and that kind of thing. I mean, we're going to be down there and mm -hmm. they've got a week, week of festivities. They've got a banquet the night before. I mean, it's going to be a production for sure. Uh, well, I went I there last year. It was, it was super cool. The crowd, Danny, and the expo they have and everybody's down there 
engaging with the sponsors and buying the products and waiting for the show to start and, to, you know, interact with the anglers and see the anglers that I think MLF has gotten at, has done a better job the last couple of years of reaching out to the fan base with the in-person experience. To, to me, that's all they really, really need to sharpen up on. And they've made tremendous efforts to do that. They realize that they're, they're doing it. And uh, I, th- I think doing it very well, to be honest. Yeah, I do too. And I just wanted to make sure I kind of address that. I'm looking forward to going and seeing a red crest. You know, I watched yeah. last year's online. Um, I was consumed by last year's because I'm such a fan of thrift and knowing it was on Norman. I just didn't see how you could keep thrift down for five days on Norman, you know, a five day event, dude, that back to our earlier conversation that eliminates a lot of luck, you know, yes. You, you, yes. five days of fishing, you can stumble onto something, but staying on something for five days and beating your peers is different. I did not look at the format. Are they fishing that many days again? Or did they get short? I'll be honest with you. I haven't looked at the format either. Uh, the calendar dates are going to be there. It seems like there's only four calendar dates that uh, I'm looking at my calendar where I've got blocked off for it. So I think not, but I could be wrong. Yeah, same here. That I should is put a you on lot the spot. of pressure. Mm-hmm. No, and, and the lake, you know, they're not going to be on Norman, which isn't giant, but it's a pretty good sized lake. Yeah, when you're talking line. miles of shoreline and docks, it's there's a ton there. But even five days, even on a lake that size, when everybody kind of knows the same stuff and tends to fish very similarly, man, that that's that's beating a place up pretty good. Five days, you know what I mean? It makes it, it makes it tough. The best in the world, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know yeah. how many angler hours that is, but five days at eight hours is forty angler hours per. So if you got a hundred mm-hmm. people doing that, I think you're looking at four thousand ang- angler hours of pressure on a body of water in five days. You should have asked uh, a young man a minute ago who's an accounting major. You know, he could have <laughs> right? <been> older. <laughs> That's what we need. We need a fast statistician to help us out. I got questions. If you're sitting on a yeah. bunch of bass stats, I got questions. We might have a spot for you here on the AC Insider podcast. Uh, I don't know, Vance. I guess the nostalgia got us today, but we've definitely covered our time. And uh, give a shout out to the guys at Adrian. Congratulations on being champs. Uh, shout out to Major mm-hmm. League Fishing for putting on an awesome championship. And I think I want to throw a shout out to Bass for the the Bass Cast stuff that I watched this weekend. Those are the things that make me feel pretty good about fishing this week. I, I got to catch up on that. I think I can get it on demand and, and check it out. Then again. We have a TV show, the Anglers uh, Channel Bass Wrap Up, but I never watched that either. I don't know. People tell me they see me on TV, and I'm like, well, that's cool. I, I hadn't seen myself. I don't hey. know. I was off doing something. I missed it. I was off fishing, spending time with my grandson on the weekend. It's just, I'm just gone, you know? Well, you did a great <laughs> job this year. And while we're thinking about it, make sure we let everybody know the Anglers Channel Bass Wrap Up show for the first time starting in this year is available on the Pursuit Channel. So if you did not catch our premieres to see yourself, Vance, you did a great job. And if you didn't get to see yourself, it'll now be on three times a week for the first half of the year. So head on over to Ooh. Pursuit, tune in. You can see yourself do a good job. And folks can check out uh, the things we got going on here at Angler's Channel and the Angler's Channel Bass Rock Up Show brought to you by Sportsman's Warehouse. And with that said, Vance, it's time for us to head on to the next fishing hole. And... Uh, Appreciate everybody listening this week, and we look forward to seeing y'all on the next one. Dan Four. Thanks for listening to this week's Angler's Channel Insider Podcast, presented by Sportsman's Warehouse. Also brought to you in part by Pro Charging Systems, makers of the Dual Pro Chargers, TH Marine, Trickstep, 
Toyota bonus bucks, Costa conserve and compete, and of course, anglerschannel.com, your number one tournament bass fishing resource.